Thank you for joining us on Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. Thank you for joining us for our first in our education town hall series, collaboration with the Michigan Legislative Black Caucus, with One Love Global, and with the Global African Business Association. We are bringing the first of our series of an education town hall entitled What's at Stake in Education. And I am State Senator Erica Geis and Chair of the Michigan Legislative Black Caucus. And I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Pamela Pugh, Chair of the State of Michigan Board of Education. Just want to thank Angela Waters Austin, who is the CEO and co-founder of One Love Global and Michigan for Black Lives Matter, and Akina, who's really made sure that we've moved this forward. And to Senator Geis, this is something that we've been talking about for quite some time now. And so we thank especially Angela Waters Austin and Akinam Obong for pushing this forward. This is an opportunity for those of us who are in the spaces where decisions are made, have the opportunity to listen to you. While we may not be able to hear your voice because of logistics reading, a huge portion of this session will be dedicated to hearing questions from you, getting questions from you, getting feedback from you. So what is at stake as it relates to education? And what do you want to see as it relates to education? We know that we have a once and a generation opportunity before us. So I want you to know that we have Superintendent Dr. Michael Rice, who is here listening to you, and I'm so appreciative of that. And we have State Board of Education members, Tiffany Tilly, and I believe that we have, I'm not sure who else is on from the State Board of Education, but at least we have board member Tiffany Tilly that's on and myself who will be going into listening mode because that's what we want to do. We know that as communities, as students, as family members, as parents, as educators, you all have been thinking about this for a very long time and have been watching the trends of our education system, having solutions to what should be put into play. And we think that this is the opportunity. No, I'm going to correct that. We know that this is the time for you all to raise your voice and let us know what we should be doing so that we can run with urgency in this moment to make sure that we're putting into place what you all would suggest that we do. So I'm going to pull back. I'm going into listening mode and I am turning it back over to Senator Geis. And Senator Geis, you can introduce yourself just a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Pugh, for grounding us in this work and very excited for this first of several education town halls. Again, I am State Senator Erica Geis. I serve the first Senate district, so a portion of Detroit and a portion of Downriver. And I'm also the chair of the Michigan Legislative Black Caucus. And I also sit on, I'm the vice chair of the Senate Standing Committee on Education. It's one of my six committees, but it is the one that is most relevant to this work and this space. So I'm going to introduce our panelists. We're going to start with Dr. Davida Colbert. Thanks for allowing me to participate in this wonderful convening as we continue to improve outcomes 
for our young people, for our students, for our scholars throughout the state of Michigan. I am Davida Colbert, Superintendent Wayne Risa. Again, glad to be here. Thank you so much. And next, I am going to introduce Dr. Sarita Darby. Yes. Good evening, everyone. My name is Dr. Sarita Darby, she, her pronouns, and I am the executive director for Detroit Hills, Detroit. Also previously taught in Detroit for five years, as well as in Lansing for three. So a former educator, I miss it dearly, but like Dr. DeVita said, I'm happy to be convening with you all and really talk about what's at stake in education and the issues that's important to us in our community. So thank you all for putting this on. Very important. Thank you so much. And I'm so honored to get to introduce my former colleague from the House, former State Representative Sherry Gay-Dang-Yogo. Thank you so much, Senator Guys. It is an honor to be here with all of these educators and practitioners that are going to help solve the crisis that we have in the state of Michigan as it relates to education. I am a former member of Michigan Legislature, former science teacher with Detroit Public Schools, and a couple of charters as well and a current Detroit School Board member, and I'm excited to be a part of this dialogue. Great. Thank you so much. And we have some other folks who we are trying to migrate over to the panelist side, but I want to uplift them. We will hopefully be having Lakia Martin, who's founder of the Autism Support Services Center, and Dr. Cook Robinson. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I did not want to miss this opportunity to be with this distinguished cast here. It's good to see Sherry and Davida, and it's nice to meet Dr. Sriga. But I want to thank Senator Erica Geis for convening us. And I understand that this is going to be a pilot, and there'll be several of these, but I'm so pleased that the first is about education. Thank you so much. This has been a labor of love. Dr. Pugh and Angela Waters Austin and Econom Obang, who is my district director, and she is stage managing behind the scenes. We've been working on this for some time now and wanted to convene the community and the community of educators. Hopefully we have some students on as well, of parents, of family members, of all the people who are part of our school communities. And I'm also a former educator. I taught higher ed, and I'm also a parent of two public school students, a high schooler and a middle schooler. You're listening to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. We'll be back. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. I wanted to sort of ground our conversation in a couple of questions, and this is for our panelists, and we can popcorn it. I want us to feel like we're having an organic conversation. So the first one is, what are your top two? And I know there's so many, right? It's hard to just distill it down, but for these purposes, what are your top two educational priorities or challenges here in Michigan? 
You're right. So many. I think my mindset when it comes to priorities is always with the youth, but also with the teachers as an educator. I've just left the classroom two years ago. So I think the number one thing is teacher turnover, especially after you know COVID, we saw a lot of our educators leave the field. But I think what COVID did is really reprofessionalize teachers again, right? It took a pandemic for us to really put the humanity back in teaching. We were considered professionals again. I was getting gifts left and right. I said, I'm a professional again. We were professionals before. And because people didn't see us as professionals, they treated us as such. And it's not even about allocating funds to teachers and making sure we're getting paid for the work that we do, but it's also about appreciation and lifting up the concerns of teachers so we're able to go in that classroom and teach without some of those, you know, extra political things going on to where we can't teach. So I think lifting up teacher turnover, how can we really better support teachers and making sure we get teachers in the field and get them to actually stay? Because there's so many teachers who leave and we have to look at why are they leaving. And also just youth mental health. I'm always thinking about after the pandemic, you know, what happened? Right. And we saw that, you know, the elders as the, some of the most vulnerable in the population at that time, but also saw our youth as the most vulnerable. Because when we think of this pandemic 10 or 20 years from now, our youth are going to be feeling that burden. So how are we addressing that in the classroom by allocating funds to youth mental health? Because I haven't seen it personally done enough for me and in seeing young people suffer and they can't go in the classroom and self-actualize because we're not prioritizing student mental health in the classroom. So those are my two top priorities, teacher turnover and then prioritizing student mental health in the classroom. Thank you so much. Those are so critically important. Dr. Cook-Robinson. Yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say ditto to what Dr. Darby shared with us. But, you know, I'm also going to add safety and well-being. So it includes that mental health piece and student achievement. You know, this pandemic, you know, during that time that our students had that disruption in their education, it wasn't that they lost learning. They were learning different things. And we have a path for them, as you know, with our Michigan Merit curriculum and so on, things that we want them to learn. But I want to be clear that they were learning the entire time. But given that and the fact that we know, and every time I talk to my friend, Dr. Michael Rice, he reminds me that Michigan needs to be in the top 10. And if we're going to be in the top 10, then we got to deal with student achievement. But to get to student achievement, we have to have safe schools and we have to have well-being and mental health. In Oakland County, as we started school this school year in September, we had a suicide, a fifth grader. And it deeply touched me. What could be so horrible that a fifth grader did not want to go on? It says that we're going to have to, as educators, not only worry about reading, writing, arithmetic, but we got to worry about the safety and the well-being and the mental health of our students. So those are my top priorities. Thank you. Sherry. Senator, this is kind of tough for me to pick just two. I'm glad that our doctors just gave us a couple that were on my list. But I have to say, during COVID, we lost time with our students being in the classroom physically. I do believe with a master's in instructional technology that we can do virtual learning better. But there are a number of students who don't learn in the best manner in that format. And so now we're still dealing with attendance issues. And so making sure that our children are in the seat, are in school. We're a day after count day here in the midst of that. And so the way that our schools are funded, we have to make sure that our children are in school. And it's not just about the funding, 
but it's also about making sure that they have that adequate learning time. So that's very important. But school funding is an issue. We're thankful for all the opera dollars that have come forward during this pandemic. If there was any good thing that could come of a pandemic, it was the infusion of dollars into our schools to make sure that we're able to provide adequate learning. But we know that there'll come a time where those dollars will run out. And so how we look at or revisit Proposal A to ensure that we have fair and equitable funding across the board, regardless to what our property values are in the city of Detroit, in Inkster, you know, in Highland Park, or in Bloomfield Hills. And so we got to change those disparities that exist. And if I were to add two more, certainly literacy and credit recovery are important. But all those things hinge on making sure that we're able to have our students in school. I'm so glad you mentioned count day because I was thinking, yes, yesterday was count day. And that was everyone here on the panelist side knows that determines just a fraction of the funding for the school year. And then the school year, fiscal year starts July 1. So yeah, funding and making sure it's equitable is such an important part because when we have equitable funding, we can do all those other things that improve our learning communities and allow us to make some of those other strides for our students. Dr. Colbert. Okay, so you leave me to clean this up to summarize, and I'm loving it. So I will say that I did respect that you asked for two. So I'll summarize in this way. School safety, along with the whole child approach, which ensures that we are meeting the mental and physical needs of each and every student. That means transportation needs, universal meals, wraparound services, extended day, unique ways to ensure that we don't have learning loss, high dosage tutoring, making sure we have school-based health clinics in all of our districts. So I'm going to wrap all that up into the mental and physical needs, meeting that whole child approach. So school safety plus the whole child approach allows us to have the academic recovery that we need because there were concerns prior to the pandemic. The pandemic yielded greater concerns because we weren't a top 10 before the pandemic. We're definitely not a top 10 now, but we're in a place in a position where we can absolutely get there with the right path forward. We can't have academic recovery or improved student outcomes without the school safety and the whole child approach. And the reality is that we know that we have the funds with the ESSER dollars, as my sister just talked about, Sherry Day Gagnogo. The reality, though, is that if we don't have a funding model in Michigan that ensures that we are moving forward with high quality learning experiences from this point on, following models such as a school finance research collaborative, you know, predicted with the updated numbers, first numbers in 2018, updated numbers in 2021, then we're still not doing the right thing by children. So it's all that my colleagues have said on this call and more. That's my one. And then my two is just the educator shortage. And when I say educator shortage, I mean the entire environment. So that are bus drivers, paraeducators, teachers. We have high shortages in special education and early childhood. And so we need diverse, talented candidates on the way to the field. Those are my top two. Summarize all of my colleagues as well. That was a great summary because I think we often think about these things as 
siloed, but then to put them into, you know, those broader categories is so necessary. We'll be back on the Michigan Business Network. This is Transform Michigan. The workplace keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals, from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. Thank you for joining us on Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. Follow Transform Michigan at Transform Michigan on social media. Lakia Martin is joining us. Thank you so much. My name is Lakia Martin. I have lived experiences as having a child from first grade through until he graduated in 21. We had an individualized education program, also known as IEP, and then also I'm the executive director of Autism Support Services Center, and I have sat on the Special Education Advisory Committee. So I, and I've been at Education Advocate for 16 years. So I guess my son, he actually graduated, he was receiving special education services as a student with autism spectrum disorder, and he graduated with a certified high school diploma. And so I have two concerns as it relates to education, really given the focus into Black and those administrators of color, teachers and educators of color, as it relates to how internalized racial oppression affects the classroom and how it shows up in the classroom. For instance, the lack of respect, the lack of communication, accountability, and so how that actually plays into the classroom when interacting with Black students and students of color. And then my second concern would be the high school graduation rate of those individuals with individualized education programs. Thank you so much. Those are ones that were not mentioned before, but they definitely dovetail with all of the things that were said about youth mental health and safety and well-being, student achievement, all of our students. And so thank you so much for that. First, we're going to ask you each to introduce yourselves and where you're from, and then tell us what do you believe are two of the top challenges or priorities in Michigan education. So I'm going to start with Miracle Ray Davis. So hello, my name is Miracle Ray, and I am from PPM Detroit. I'm Janae. I am from Detroit, and I'm here representing PPM Detroit, and I'm currently in Ypsilanti studying at Eastern Michigan University. I'm Schneider Brooklyn-Smith. I'm from Detroit and also a part of Detroit PP, you know, PBM. I am also a student at Eastern Michigan University. My name is Yair Curies-Bershet, Advanced Technology Academy. In your experience, what are your top two educational priorities or challenges in Michigan? So us, PPM Detroit, we're joined by our adult support, Ray Jean Head and Aaliyah Jones. And we are PPM Detroit. We represent the Peace and Prosperity Youth Action Movement. We are supported by One Love Gogol 
and we are honored to represent PPM tonight because we believe that youth voice is important when it comes to making important decisions, making processes across the board. So thank you all for assuring that our voices do not fall on deaf ears and being the leaders of the change. And we all have some questions to ask personally. Alrighty. Well, we have an amazing assembly of educators and people working in the education space who I think are going to be very thrilled to answer your questions. And I also serve as a legislator and my former colleague who also served in the legislature is here. So we can also help with some of the questions that I imagine might also stem on policy related things. Janae, what are your top two challenges and concerns in education? I've noticed two things that are wrong with the education system. I'm in college studying to become a future educator for these reasons. Number one, I feel like there is a serious lack of teachers who really, I'm not going to say care, but show effort to all of their students. And I feel like as someone who has grown up in multiple different school districts, I suffered the most in DPS because teachers tend to not show that they care as much. And so that's why I'm going back to DPS to teach so that I can help over there. So I think number one, teachers need to put in more effort and not just teachers, but everyone that is involved because students, they're forced to be in school for eight hours of a day, five days a week. And I feel like it's really unfair to force them to be there and make them miserable. And I know people are like, oh yeah, they're going to learn and stuff. But like I said, they're forced. And so students won't take school seriously if they're not enjoying it. And so I feel like teachers should try to make school a bit more enjoyable for students so that people stop dropping out, people start paying attention, stuff like that. Uh, So that's one of my main issues. And also just funding. I know in a lot of low-income areas, funding is an issue. And you can have great teachers, but if you don't have any extracurricular activities, students won't care about school. Like you can't just expect students to sit there and to look at a book and be there for eight hours. You have to add certain things in like sports and after school activities that will make them want to be there. So those are my two main issues. Thank you so much. You're listening to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. We'll be back. When you fly Lansing, you are just one stop away from over 500 amazing global destinations. The Capital Region International Airport, your gateway to the world. Visit flylansing.com for more information. Welcome back to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. Miracle Ray or Shayna or Yakaris, do you want to add in anything to those two? I personally agree with Janae. I do have my own two concerns that are, of course, like interconnected, but a different issue. So I am also studying at Eastern Michigan in psychology. And I think that schools nowadays, to kind of add on what Janae says, that a lot of children nowadays are not only taking school not serious, 
not only because of the long hours, but I think that a lot of schools are safe spaces for children nowadays. I do take into the account that teachers may be just as stressed as us, but like when I was personally in high school, I can say that I often felt like I had no community and I did understand that my teachers were stressed because basically everybody was struggling. I had no older figure except for my parents who haven't been in school in years to look up to. And I just think that is a really big concern. I also, at least in my high school, thought that the meals weren't as nutritious. Like I have like a very tight, I guess, understanding of my own health. And I could see myself getting sluggish after school meals compared to, let's say, a meal I would eat at home during like COVID time, during when DPS was doing online school. So those would be my two concerns. I mean, I think the meals are good, just maybe not as nutrient dense as it would be for people who have nutritional struggles like me. Great. Thanks so much, Miracle Ray. And Shayna or Yakaris? I think the safety in the schools, that's a big problem. And then the teachers having patience with the children. Because a lot of children, attention spans is like very short and some teachers don't have enough patience. And they attend to quickly be like, oh, well. And I feel like that's not how it should go. Thank you. And Shana, last but not least. I agree with everything that my peers have said so far. I think that I don't really have a concern since they kind of covered everything I need to, but like COVID like really emphasized for me, like how much stress is put on students as well as teachers, like everyone involved in like the school system to make sure that we have to do what we, you know, are there for and have to, you know, they do everything they can to help us graduate. And I feel like that stress definitely like can come off as not caring a lot of the time for students and you know there are teachers that generally you know just don't have it in them to care and push students anymore does that make sense but yeah I just like COVID really like emphasizes that for me so we have some questions that we prepared for you guys because these are some questions that we all got together and we're asking each other and I I'm going to start us up. So my first question is, how can we make learning more interactive for students? First of all, let me just congratulate you ladies and say how pleased I am that you're here. Student voice is very, very important. One of the ways that we can improve that instructional process is to get your voice involved more and having students like yourselves to give us more feedback and to have a structure where we can give that feedback to teachers, those who are in front of students every day. Dr. Colbert and I sit on a statewide consortium that is putting together a survey to bring in student voice. And once we get that data, we're gonna bring in focus groups of students to do what we call a deeper dive. And then we're gonna talk to teachers. And you know, I'm a proud graduate of Detroit Public Schools and I've sat where you ladies are sitting. And no one wants to sit eight hours a day and be bored to death. I agree with you. I also have been a teacher. I won't tell you how many years, but let's just say I'm a grandma. And one of the things that was very, very important is to engage the students. That means that we're going to have to look at new strategies and new methodologies and have students tell us the content and the context 
that they need to have for learning. I'm glad that you shared that. And I too, definitely thank you for lifting your voice as I was sharing that before you came on. The student voice is so important. Dr. Cook Robinson already lifted that we are a part of the Michigan Student Perception Survey that was actually started on the west side of the state by Kent ISD, but it was created or developed by some Michigan superintendents in 2019 to address the need for a common measure to really provide a holistic picture of student experience. And what it will do is capture just that, student voice. It'll take about 10 minutes. There are about 50 questions. It's done online. And it really is to capture student voice. Of course, that's not the only way. We need focus groups. We need to continue to expand our focus groups to continue to get what you just shared, that feedback. If education is not engaging, then it is going to be a struggle for everyone, each and every student, to stay connected to it. So it is important. Dr. Goldie Muhammad talks about cultivating genius. And so we need to continue to cultivate genius and joy, not only with students, but with educators alike. So I appreciate what you've shared, and we will continue to do our best to ensure that we capture the voice and then use that voice as we continue to take different actions moving forward. So please continue to share your voice. And what you've said thus far is critical. So thanks for the opportunity to respond. I think one of the ideas is also to increase uh, students interacting experiences to have at moments help teachers help the students actually take time to teach the lesson themselves actually give them the opportunity to see what they learn and how can they actually almost peer teaching in the classroom give them opportunity to teach each other from actually standing in front of the classroom and teaching a lesson well the real goal is to facilitate learning so when you facilitate learning that's what the experience looks like So I wholeheartedly agree, and we're going to keep moving the needle to get there. We'll be back on the Michigan Business Network. This is Transform Michigan. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Thank you for joining us on Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. So first of all, thank you to all of our students. Your voice and the way that you've articulated your issues, your concerns, but most of all, I believe it was Janae that says you're going to come back and teach at DPS. Thank you. And I welcome you. And I know we don't want to go down a whole litany of things to why it is the way it is in some instances. I'm sorry that you've had those experiences with some teachers. I'm a former science teacher. And I believe in having fun in everything that I do, whether it was learning in the classroom, teaching in the classroom, serving in the legislature, and now being a school board member. And I just believe that in order for our students to learn, you have to engage them. But I have to be honest. One thing that we're going to have to address, and I'm glad that Superintendent Rice is on, Our colleges of education, I was sharing with the mayor of Detroit 
a couple of days ago that when you first become a teacher, no one told me all the nuances of classroom management, some of the social issues that I would come in contact with, behavior management, those things you learn over time. So I had to be able to shift gears to be able to do that. But I had to share who I am and who I was to students to let them know I came from a single parent household. My father was incarcerated. I was raised on social programs as well. I lived off of Seven Mile. So once the kids in the classroom understood that I am them and they are me, and I took away just this superiority complex of being just the teacher who knew more than them, I could relate to them one-on-one. So they need to first know that I cared. But every teacher does not know how to unbox all of that. And we have a lot of teachers that do. Also, in our school, we have to make sure that we change the construct and the class size. A number of teachers have gone through a litany of teaching to the test, having to be responsible for making sure the scores are there, making sure that the attendance is checked off on the system, making sure they manage the problems that are in the room, make sure that they try to reach out to parents they can't get a hold of. And in the end of the 55-minute class period, you'll find that some of them have exhausted and they are leaving the teaching profession because it is no longer what they envisioned and what they had desired to do. And so I agree, we need to rethink education totally. Problem-based approaches, understanding the individual child. I believe every student should have an individualized academic plan, education plan. I believe that centers should exist in all settings because you have students whose ability to do their work at one level where another child is struggling. But if you have 35 of them in the classroom and you got to get all this paperwork done, I understand how some teachers become exhausted and want to leave the system. So rethinking education, holding our colleges of education accountable for preparing true paratroopers to go into education and to engage our students to make them feel a part of the learning process, and then make sure that even the administrators are not superimposing this harsh culture that makes teachers not even want to come to work. So there are a myriad of challenges that we need to address that we won't address in this one setting tonight. I'm sorry you had that experience. There are some exemplary teachers at DPS. We have more master teachers than any other district in this state. But I do realize that some of them get burned out and they want to leave because we have not properly got the system at the right balance. And it's not about bossing teachers from a higher office, whether it's superintendent, whether it's principal, whether it's school leader or whatever it is. It's about a culture of us all equally investing in our children and bringing out the best in them and that's what our schools to reflect. And far too often, they do not. But I'm counting on you all and your voices being a part of it. The last thing I'll say, and that this is not a snuff at anyone collecting data because data is important, but we specialize in collecting data. The problem we have and what I've seen in education is implementing in a timely manner and at scale so that we're not continuing to say what this study said, what that study said, what that study said. We know what we need to do. We need to do it. And funding does impact that. So no more 35 children in the classroom. 
because we want our teachers to be well structured and rested and able to deliver exemplary teaching and engaging all of our students. And you can't do that with almost 40 kids. Thank you. And I want to echo what everyone has said as well. Students, thank you. Thank you for being engaged, wanting to not just see the change, but be the change. It is fantastic. And those of you who are going into teaching, that is also excellent. I'm the daughter of a retired special ed teacher myself, and you are our educational future in terms of when we're talking about teaching the whole child, when we're talking about that retention and recruitment for teachers, and you coming from spaces where you know what needs to be done, and we have to be able to help you do that. You're listening to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. Follow us on Facebook at Transform Michigan. We'll be back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Welcome back to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. I'm going to alternate between questions from the students and questions from the panelists. So our first question that I have here is, I'm being asked to help improve the quality of education in Oakland County. What's the best way for community members to share concerns and suggestions with the state superintendent and state school board of education? And I do see some of my other board members who are on board, Tiffany Tilly and Mitchell Robinson and Dr. Michael Rice. Some of the ways that we definitely like to hear from you is definitely through accessing us by phone, by email, but then also coming to board meetings and giving public comment. These are also ways where I'm able to collect information as well as state board members able to collect information and take it to the appropriate persons to respond. I don't know if anybody else wanted to respond to that, but definitely having listening sessions like this to be able to answer. And as many of you all know, Michigan is a little bit different in how we parse out responsibilities for education. There are some parts that belong to the legislature. There are some parts that belong to the governor and then Michigan Department of Education and the State Board of Education. So it gets kind of complex there as well. And then, of course, the local districts and the ISD. And we are a locally controlled state. And so we do try to make sure we're working as closely as possible with the local districts as well. I know that there's another question that's going to come up that's very related to this. If I could just add, since we're talking about improving the education in Oakland County, I'm the superintendent at Oakland ISD, and we provide leadership for 28 local districts and 24 public service academies and charters. And one of the things that we are working on is not only student voice, but parents. And I will encourage parents, get involved in the PTA, be on the curriculum night, be on the science committee, come into the schools. 
you know, that partnership between parents and educators and administrators has to be there. It has to connect and it has to be strong. And we welcome that across Oakland County. And parents, not only can you come to a board meeting and share your concerns, but you've got to get involved. Remember, parents, you were your child's first teacher and you're your child's most important educator because you stay with your child from the moment they get here until they go on to college and out into the world. You're still facilitating and guiding that learning process. And we need your engagement. And we welcome that in Oakland County. Thank you both, Dr. Cook Robinson and Dr. Pugh. Dr. Pugh, you did mention school board meetings. So would you share with the audience when the state school board meetings are? And of course, they are here in Lansing. But are there other ways that people can participate? Because like from my neck of the woods, it's a 90-minute drive up here. So that's a three-hour round trip. And it's not necessarily tenable for everyone to be able to do. So how can people watch and participate? We have three standing meetings. We have the meeting of the whole, and that's pretty much all day on the second Tuesday of each meeting. We have a legislative meeting where we come up with thoughts and ideas and speak as one unit. And we take those to you, my friend, Senator Geis and other legislators. And then we also have an agenda planning meeting that are all open to the public. Those meetings, there's public comment, especially at the second Tuesday meeting of the month. If people cannot make it in person, we now have the opportunity for people to participate via Internet. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Lakia. You know, I just really wanted to get on this piece about parent involvement. A lot of times you'll hear districts say, yes, we encourage parent involvement. In reality, when parents come to concerns with teachers and with what's going on with their student as relates to behavior or any type of thing, it's barely zero communication comes back to that parent. A lot of times their concerns go unanswered. For instance, when a parent requests for a 504 or requests an IEP, there's crickets. No one responds to that parent. When the parent is trying to learn about what's going on with their child behavior, there's crickets, no response. And the respectability of parents is not there anymore. I'm seeing this with Detroit schools, period. And it's like, we say we want a parent involvement, but now since we have COVID, COVID happened, and now, okay, you have that period where parents were not even able to come to the schools. Now that still has not been relaxed. Parents are still, they're trying to make appointments to come see their children and observe their students in classroom. They're being saying, nope, you can't come into the classroom. You can't come beyond this certain point. That still exists. And so that communication, we're talking about how we want communication. It just really doesn't happen. Sometimes a parent can send an email constantly to a certain teacher. Teachers are not responding. And it takes until I come in, the education advocate, now I have to work and bridge the bridge on communication. So it's like, how do we want to bring in that community piece, that family piece, that parent voice? How should that actually look? Because as of right now, it's a broken system. Thank you, Lakia. For our administrators, our former teachers who are now in an administration role, what are some ways that we could improve that communication that Lakia is talking about? Absolutely. So I do want to say that I'm saddened to hear that if this is not, you know, a situation that allows for two-way communication 
you know, that we all must continue to ensure that that happens. Parents are our partners. Parents are definitely our partners and they should feel welcome in school learning environments. They should absolutely know what the communication, you know, should look like or feel like inside of their school district, how they reach out to their teachers, whether it's via email, setting up appointments, whether it's through a lot of school districts that have apps that they are using. There should be some protocols in place for all of our districts where they're getting, you know, 24 hours, no later than 48 hour, you know, responses in the event that you are not able to reach the teacher and or counselor. You know, then the next step is always the school administrator, assistant principal, and then principal. Then when you've gone through those channels, you know, hopefully, whatever the concern is, it has been resolved because, again, it's supposed to be a welcoming environment for students and for families. So parents are our partners. Then in the event that that does not, you know, land where, in fact, you feel like you've been supported, then there are central office, you know, key people. Some districts have parent liaisons. Some districts use their, you know, assistant superintendents in those areas. And then, of course, there's always the local school boards that you share. You know, they have meetings. They have, in most cases, emails, email addresses, and or a way that you can forward your communication to them. But I would hope that we definitely, in the event that there are any broken pieces to the parent teacher connection, because that's the first line that we would remedy those. So I would hope that what is being shared is not reflective in numbers of majority. And if they are, that all of us lean into it and make sure, you know, that we check on our systems and ensure that parents feel supported, know the ways in which they communicate and feel like they are getting responses that we're all working in in common goal to support each and every student. Thank you for that, Dr. Colbert. Thank you for joining us on Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network.